Do you crave meaningful conversations with people of different backgrounds and perspectives? Do you admire certain people from afar but wish you can get to know them on a deeper level? Thankfully, we live in an incredible age where long-form conversation allows us to connect with those who inspire us beyond the often manufactured sound bites, small talk, and social media posts we are bombarded with on a daily basis. This is a podcast that seeks to provide you, our listeners, with refreshing content from a variety of inspiring guests, a place where we can truly hear their stories. I'm Karen Corrin, and welcome to Soul Sessions with KK. What do you think of when you see someone who is single? What do you think of when you enter Jewish communal spaces as a single adult? Whether you're single or you're in a relationship, we can all learn from my next guest, Rachel Herkman. Rachel talks to me about some of the issues that Jewish women and men are facing, especially in this pandemic that we're in. So there's issues in the dating world, but there's also issues and challenges of just being single in a Jewish community. While growing up in a family-oriented culture is a beautiful thing, it can also be extremely challenging for people who are not married yet or choose not to be married. Is there a so-called shidduch crisis? And if there is, what are some of the ways we can alleviate the challenges? In this episode, Rachel Herkman gives us an empowering message to single adults, but she also gives an empowering message to the community and how we can re-examine our culture and facilitate not just introduction, but more integration. What kind of conversations should we be having with our friends and our neighbors? You can find out by listening to the episode with Rachel Herkman. Enjoy the show. Hi, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Soul Sessions with KK. It is my honor and pleasure to introduce Rachel Herkman. Rachel Herkman is a psychotherapist who specializes in relationships, sexual health, and trauma. She's the clinical director of the Layers Project magazine, and she'll tell you more about that in the interview. And she is passionate about utilizing social media for community building and removing stigma in order to expand conversation and the way we connect with each other. Rachel, thank you for being on the show. Sure. Thanks for having me. Thank you for being here. Rachel, can you tell our listeners a little bit about yourself? Who are you and what do you do? Okay, so I am a social worker. I'm an LCSW, so licensed clinical social worker. I have a private practice on the Upper West Side of Manhattan, but for now I am exclusively on Zoom. And I really enjoy my work. I work with individuals and couples and I do trainings for professionals and rabbis and communities. Before the pandemic, I traveled uh, across to different communities in America to speak about relationships and sexuality. So I really enjoy the communal aspect of creating conversations. And I've really appreciated the opportunities as well on social media to find ways for us to have these important conversations as well. Beautiful. I noticed that 
since the pandemic started, you started an IGTV series called Hump. Yes, I love the name, <laughs> Hump you. Day Health. Yep. Yes, and it's primarily about sex and relationships, right? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I mean, I was I was really scared of videos for a while. I mean, I feel like I was kind of a late bloomer with getting comfortable posting videos on social media, public speaking in person. I was fine. Something about making videos, something about talking to myself on a phone. Cause it's so much more now. Like right now we're talking, this feels okay. But the idea of like setting up a phone and talking to myself just felt very weird. And it was like the end of April at that point, I think it had been, you know, seven, eight weeks. I, I don't think I'd gotten dressed like in real clothes in like seven or eight weeks. And I've started to get to that place where I was like, I need a prod. Some, and I think it just kind of, I got to that point of like, okay, like, why don't I just start doing these videos once a week where I talk about an idea or I talk about some relationship idea or start talking about sex or whatever it is. And it forced me to get dressed once a week. And um, yeah, and I didn't know how long I was going to keep doing it for, but here we are in October and and I've gotten a lot of feedback from people in terms of just that there's something about creating bite-sized ideas and videos for people that, you know, there's only so long we're going to sit and watch something and just be able to watch a video, think of a relationship concept in a different way, get to know ourselves, become more self-aware. So that's how Hump Day Health started. Beautiful. And what um, made you pick sex and relationships? That's what you specialize in as a psychotherapist? Yeah. Yeah. Relationships and sex and trauma. Those kind of, I find when someone calls for help, I find there's usually one of those three is pretty charged, usually feeling stuck in some way. I also find that relationships, sex, and trauma have a way of you know, like your life could look great on paper and it could be great in many ways. But when people are struggling with their relationships, with their sex lives, when people have trauma that they haven't worked out, you could have the best life on paper. Things could look amazing on the outside, but internally it's very difficult to feel present and feel joy. So I find that those things are at the heart of people's vibrancy, their ability to feel vibrant in their lives. And I find that when we could work on those things and find healing and resolution with those things, it can affect everything else in their lives as well. Rachel, let's talk about the singles in our community. Yeah. I mean, there's so many topics I want to talk to you about. Yeah. There's, yeah. yeah. There's, we can <laughs> I go. Like, on I feel like we could stay up all night talking. Oh, 100%. And there's many topics that you covered in your IGTV series. But I want to focus on singles because this is something I have not covered on my show yet. Okay. So what do you believe are some of the biggest challenges that are facing singles today? Okay. So a couple of things. Um, when I think of single adults in the Jewish community, so a few things I would first throw out there is, number one, some of these challenges are challenges that we have outside the Jewish dating world as well and are not exclusively a Jewish problem or Jewish issue. And then the other piece I was going to say is we have, we have issues right now because of the pandemic, but we had a lot of issues even before the pandemic. And I think the pandemic has created issues and it has amplified old ones. 
created new ones and it's amplified old ones. And what's unfortunate, I think, for single adults in the Jewish community is that many people in our communities feel very isolated in general, not being married. Our communities are very family oriented, very family oriented. Even, I mean, when you look at America, there's a few pockets of communities where you can have single adults living all together and that's normal. But your average Jewish Orthodox suburban community is pretty family oriented. And so just our whole structural, like our communities are just very family oriented. So now in the pandemic, you know, we're looking at isolation on a totally different scale for so many people. I mean, even just like, I always say this, like in jail, solitary confinement is a punishment because that's a form of torture. And we have people that that's been their reality for months. And that was their reality for months and years, even before the pandemic. But when we talk about some of the issues in our community, so it's like, where do we even start? Well, from the time someone is born, we're already wishing, you know, that they should grow up. What do we say? Right. So like, it's already like from the very beginning, we're already talking about their wedding and they're a newborn. And from the time people are young and listen, there's something beautiful about having a family oriented culture. There's something really nice about having family supports, but what ends up happening for many single adults I find is where we're at right now is okay. So it's like, it's hard to separate that we're in a pandemic right now. So if you really want to talk about what's happening right, right now, like let's talk, you want to talk about what's happening right, right now for singles or yeah. You know what? Okay. Because we are in the right now. We are in right, it. Right and now. like yeah. the previous, and like eight months ago was eight months ago. So we're just going to talk about right, right now. Okay. Yeah. So number one, most people right now can only date on Zoom. Okay. And it's incredibly challenging. And what's even more challenging is that people on the outside who don't know what it's like to be single will actually say to people like, oh, but like you could date on Zoom. Like, isn't that great? And when you think about the experience of what it's like to meet someone in person and be able to even just to sit on a park bench with someone versus talking to them on zoom. I mean, even just something I was thinking about on zoom, you don't get to see how the person interacts with the waiter. You don't get to see what they're like when you're sitting in traffic or when you get to the mini golf place and it starts pouring and it's really frustrating or right. In terms of seeing people like, as they relate to life on life's terms, we don't have that right now if we're just dating on Zoom. And so that creates a lot of challenges for people. Also, it puts so much pressure on conversation itself, right? If you're able to go out, there's this, you know, there's the two of you on this third thing. You could be watching, right. you know, be in a park, you could be playing a game, even in a restaurant, there's food, like Zoom, it's like, right? So that's, that's for now for a lot of couples, a lot of people who want to date, like this is the only option. The other pressures are like this. I mean, right now people are pretty much relying or a lot of relying on matchmakers. And I find that when you're relying on matchmakers, people tend to be categorized into a box. And I find it's very hard to sum up people. You know, I think that people these days are so so much more hashkafically 
fluid and complex and they grew up in this kind of home, but they went to these kinds of schools and they studied at this type of yeshiva and then they got really religious when they were 21. Now they're in their late twenties and they're like not religious, but they want to have a religious home and they want someone who went to this kind of school 15 years ago, like this whole thing. And this is what they want to do inside their house. And this is what they want to do outside their house. And this is what they do what when they do when what this is what they want to do when they have kids one day. Like Right. And so I think people are just a lot more complex now. And we're also exposed to a lot more ideas. People are just like a lot more complex. And we're trying to put people in these boxes. Um, and right. I think that that is a challenge. I think that because people can't meet naturally, it's very different. I, the analogy I use is like, think about like catalog shopping versus like if you shop from a catalog, you buy something from a catalog, like it will ask you for every measurement of every part of your body. Okay. And when that thing shows up in the mail and you try it on, you hope and expect that it's going to be like to a T because it's like all your measurements, right? Right. But what happens when you're walking down the street and you go into a store and you just see this thing, it's on a hanger and you're like, all right, I'll try it on. Right. Yeah. And you're like, this is great. Right. And you wouldn't necessarily pick that out or even while I was on the hang, right? So we lose that right now that we can't have like organic, natural meeting. Um, What about the people who are not choosing to do the Zoom dating and they're breaking the rules? How is it a challenge for them? What do you mean? I mean, I I don't think- You're saying, no, no, you're right. You're right. Not not everyone is doing Zoom dating. That's true. So like in terms of just dating in general. So a couple of things. I think um, some of the challenges I see for people is that because the Jewish world, we don't have six degrees of separation. We have like one or two. I mean, even Karen, we just sat down (laughs) and like figured out like all these overlaps in like so many ways. We have so many. And we could probably keep going and we've never met before. Right. Exactly. So in the Jewish world, I say we have like one or two degrees of separation. And there could be something beautiful about that, that we could take care of ourselves in various ways. But here's one of the downsides. What I find is that if I had to pick like one statement that I think is like the most responsible for Shadokim not happening, it's the sentence, I don't see it. Okay. Wow. You want to set up, let's say you have an idea to set someone up. And they're like, oh, okay. And what do they do? They call one of their friends who's a mutual friend, which by the way, with social media now, you can easily see who are all your mutual friends with this possible person you'll get set up with. So besides the fact that you could stalk them on social media and look at all their pictures and decide if you're into them or not, even if let's say you're like, okay, I want to go out with them. You start, you know, going through your, your mutual friends and you ask them, what do you guys think? And they say, I don't see it. Okay. Once someone tells you, I don't see it, it's like, that's it. Yeah. The idea dies. And my response to that is like, if we were such experts on seeing it, <laughs> we, would, we wouldn't have this problem because we would just know who should be together. Right. Right. And so- You see the sentiment quick, also from singles themselves when they're like, right. I don't see it. Right away. Right away. Right away. Just right based away. on looking at a picture. Right. And so I think that that's, you know, that sentence of, 
this sense of authority from other people. Because when someone calls you and says, like, someone wants to sum me up with this person, what do you think? So are they asking you, like, they want to hear about this person? They want your approval? You know, it's kind of like Amazon. You know, you're more likely to buy a product that has 500 perfect five-star reviews than, or then how about this? What if you see something on Amazon and there's no reviews? Right. It's like, this is sketch. I don't know if I should buy this yeah. product. Right. So what if someone yeah. wants to set you, set you up with someone, but no one knows them? It's like, oh, that's so sketchy. Right. Yeah, yeah totally. So, and so I think that that is a big issue. Why a lot of, I think such a small percentage of, for, I, I think such a small percentage of dating ideas actually become a first date because there's so much time of researching and asking and this, and everyone's like, well, I don't see it. I don't see it. So then like, they don't, they don't go out. And I think that it's a shame because I think that I'm not saying we have to go out with every single person, you know, there are people that could be presented to you where you're like, you know what, we want really different things. And I really don't think this is the right fit for whatever reasons, or I, I've, I've gotten to know this person in other contexts and I'm not interested in going on a date with it. Like, but at the same time though, I think that there are many dates that don't happen because one person said, I don't see it. Mm -hmm. So do you think people should avoid asking their friends and family members and people they trust? I'm not saying people shouldn't ask. You can ask if you want. But if someone's going to, instead of saying, I don't see it, if you have like a legit concern or if you're like, oh, maybe it's like a, Maybe it's a religious, a a dramatically religious difference. So you're like, that's why you don't see it. There's a difference between saying, oh, hey, maybe you should just look into where they're at because like I was in touch with them a couple, I don't know. And even then it's, and even then one thing you say could be like totally like you didn't know what you were talking about and the person's not going to go out then because you said that. Right. But if there is, if there is a reason to believe that this is a terrible idea, there's a difference between saying, I don't see it versus, oh, that person wants to live a cola life and right. you're not interested in that from what I understand. Like that's very different than just, I don't see it. Right. Right. I don't see it. Or, or I don't see it because we all think that person is going to end up with a certain type of personality. I mean, we all know people. You're who, like this. They're like yeah, that. They're like that. And you're, you don't need to marry your, marry your Siamese twin. And you're probably better off not marrying your Siamese twin. And this whole, it's, or it's like we go on a date for them. Right. And, right. and I, think, I think that's where we get tripped up. The other thing I find, but, and, and I think this ties into something else, which is that relying too much on what other people think, where I think that it could get dangerous, by the way, is that then people don't use their own intuition as they get to know this person. Okay. I'll give you an example. Okay. And you know, Mm -hmm. this month is domestic violence awareness month. So this is very relevant with abusive relationships. Okay. Let's say, let's say Karen, you went on a date with someone Mm -hmm. and the waiter comes over to your table and says, what do you guys want? And your date just answers and goes, um, the date says, I'm going to have a burger and fries and she's going to have a salad and diet coke okay and you're sitting there like okay what just happened <laughs> like right um 
I, that's not what I want. Or I, I think I can order my stuff. Right. And you're sitting there, right. But like, you, you don't want to like make a stand. Right. So yeah. whatever. And then let's say you come home from the date and you call the matchmaker or you call your committee, you call your, you call your, your high school, or- you call your high school teacher, you call your friend, whatever it is, you know, and you tell them what happened. Okay. And one of them says, Oh, you know what? He must've been so, you know, he, he got confused. All his, he has a lot of sisters and he probably just assumed like all women just order a salad and diet Coke. Right. And like, and he's from such an awesome family. Like, I don't, it's so not weird. Like why you should totally go out again. Right now. Meanwhile, what, here's the thing. You were the one that was sitting on that date. Okay. Something did not feel right. That was a weird behavior. Okay. But the problem in our circles is that we don't necessarily empower singles by saying, Hey, why don't you have a conversation with your, with your date about this? Right. So what would happen next? Your shotgun would talk to him and be like, she had a really great time, but she was like a little confused about the salad and diet coke thing. Like she, so it's like, they're going to work it out for you and come back and be like, I spoke to him. He got confused. Mm-hmm. Okay. As opposed to you either deciding for yourself, you know what? It was a very uncomfortable behavior. And I don't want to go out with this person again, because to me, there's something very off about that. Or even if you decided to go out again and you wanted to bring it up yourself and be like, hey, listen, it's, it's been fun hanging out. Can I bring up, I just wanted to maybe bring up what happened on the last date. I appreciate you wanting to order for me. I was just curious about it, mm-hmm. right? And that, by the way, is where you build or get a chance to see emotional compatibility is how do we have the uncomfortable conversations with someone? And so what's happening now is couples are outsourcing that when they have conflicts or differences, they have people on the outside who are trying to talk about it for them. I feel as like that person. happens with marriages as well yes. right now. Yes, it happens, you know? with marriage. it happens with marriages as well, but that's not surprising because if we're training couples while they're dating that this is how you build an intimate relationship, it's having these people on the outside, which by the way, for a married couple, no one on the outside could possibly fully understand what is going on inside a marriage. Exactly. And they're only hearing different sides of it. And everyone's got advice and everyone's saying do this and everyone's saying do that. And I look at it like GPS, you know, like GPS is awesome. But if we only use GPS, we never learn our own sense of direction. We never learn our own sense of direction. And we don't take accountability for our choices. You know, like people will show up at a party and be like, oh, I'm sorry, my GPS got me lost. Mm -hmm. You know? And it's like, your GPS got you lost? No, you chose to listen to your GPS and your GPS told you to turn right over there. And I think it's important with relationships that people have a sense of accountability for the choices that they make. That's, I feel like I'm talking a lot. No, that's, <laughs> you know, in this week's Parsha, it's all about personal accountability. We're in Parsha Bereshit. I mean, whenever I'm releasing this podcast, it's going to be yeah. maybe a few weeks after that. Right. But it's all about taking responsibility for your own choices and decisions yeah, and not constantly outsourcing all your issues. Right. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, I I think another, and just one thing I wanted to also throw out there is that I think that one of the biggest issues we're having in our dating world for single adults. Okay. So, I mean, there's different pieces of this. There's the challenge of being in the dating world 
And there's a challenge of being single in the Jewish community. Right. Meaning like, you, you know what I'm saying? Like yes, there's like the actual, difference. there's actual, like there's the actual dating that's very stressful and has its specific challenges. But then there's also just like, what does it mean to be a single adult in the Jewish community? So let's talk about that. Okay. Why do we take this in that direction? Yeah. The challenges of being single in a Jewish community. Okay. Because we can, you know, this yeah. two completely talk, different topics. They, yeah. 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 I mean, they, they connect with each other because I think that the stress of dating and the hopelessness that people can feel when they're dating is very discouraging for people in terms of looking to the future of, hey, I don't really have a community I fit into because I'm single, but I, I'm hopeful that I'll find someone. But if your date, but if the dating world feels very like not productive for you and very like demeaning for you, then you really feel stuck. But do you want to talk specifically about religious Jewish communities or just Jewish communities in general? Uh, Jewish communities in general, because I think my audience is a mix of Orthodox, traditional Jews. I mean, I have lots of Persian Jews who are listening to my podcast. Um, It's a completely different culture. Right. Right. But, you know, just in general. Right. So in terms of like the experience of being a single adult. So I think that it varies based on community. There are certain communities where it's very common for, it's not just common, it's standard to live in your parents' house until you get married in yeah. certain communities. And then there are other communities where people are like, why are they still living at home? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right? Like failure to launch? Like why haven't yeah. you moved out yet? <laughs> like what's going on? Why are they rotting the basement? So it's like, it really depends on families and you know what's normal for that circle. Right. But I do find that generally speaking, our communities are family oriented. Yeah. So if you are a single Jewish adult and you would like to have a family and you don't have a family, there's very few places where you might find a Jewish community that you feel included or seen. Right. Because the issue I find here is not just about the crisis of singles it's like a I find it's a crisis of belonging Mm. in other words if you're a single Jewish adult and you want to find a community to belong to but Jewish communities are generally family oriented and programming is generally family oriented our holidays are family oriented and children oriented unless you know there's a there's singles who decide that they want to move to Manhattan when they're a certain right. age because they find that there's lots of communities there. Yeah. Yeah. You go to, you know, Upper West Side, Washington Heights. Exactly. I mean, there's definitely Queens. There's definitely pockets. Right. But what people say about that is that when people move to those types of places, they feel like they kind of never want to get married because there's no pressure there. That's what you hear about when people move to the city that people don't really want to get married when they move there because they're having so much fun and it's exciting. So I you know, know, so I know, I know people say that. I, I know, I know people say that. Um, I mean, my practice on Upper West Side, I have plenty of, you know, I see kind of the culture now I'm on Zoom. 
I could listen. Are there people that enjoy, you know, the independence in the city for sure? But I really do find that for the vast majority, they don't love having to sign a new lease every year and figure out roommates every year. Um, in terms of getting too comfortable, I, I think that I, I think know, that's I could a be myth. wrong, but I think I think that that to be honestly, I think that sentiment is said by people who haven't really experienced being a single Jewish adult who wants to have a family and hasn't been able yes. to make that happen. And yes, by and by the way, there are people that are having children without meeting a partner. There are ways that you can have a Jewish family without meeting a partner, and there are definitely more people today who are considering that, especially women in their mid to late thirties who would like to have children and they haven't met a partner yet. So they're starting to explore their options to have a child by their, by themselves. But for many women, that was not their initial plan. So it's for some people that could be a difficult decision for them to make of, you know, I really want to be a, a mother, I, but I don't want to keep waiting, but like, when is the time to make that decision? And it's a very unique personal thing. And obviously it's cultural in certain cultures that's becoming more normal. Others, it's not as common, but I don't agree with that sentiment necessarily that people are moving to the West side and they're just having too much fun that, yeah, that yeah. they just don't want to get married. Yeah. By the way, that was that not my opinion. People, this is what you hear. I know. I don't, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I didn't think it was your opinion. I think that there are people who, uh, I think the majority of them want to find love, want to settle down. I think it gets old. Maybe in the beginning it could be exciting, you know, to have your own place and your own independence. Um, but I think that for many people, it's very painful to constantly feel. Listen, um, it's also painful to feel like you have to live in a community because you're single and that's just where the singles can live. Right. Like right. there are people who don't really want to live in the city. Yeah. There are people whose jobs, it does not make sense for them geographically to live in the city. Yeah. But they just, they don't, they don't want to move to a, a random, you know, to a suburb. Right. So this is where I think like the question that we can ask ourselves is kind of in our suburbs, meaning what, what comes first? Are are our suburbs not singles friendly because singles don't live there? Um, in other words, are singles, are singles moving to the city because the suburbs aren't family friendly? Mm. Are our suburbs not, are, are, are not singles friendly or are, are our suburbs not single friendly because the singles just aren't sticking around? Meaning, but I think mm -hmm. that our, our institutions need to ask themselves. Like one of the things I always say is like, any shul or school, whatever, like even membership fees, event fees, right? Is there, is there a membership option for a single adult or is it only family, right? Can you go to your shul dinner by yourself? Do you have to buy, does it have to be a couple, right? Like these are things, even, even minyanim in a shul. I, I went to a shul once where they had so and this was before the pandemic, they had so many minyanim on Shabbos morning, and there was major basement, all these different, and then they had a high school, a high school minion, a college minion, and then after the college minion was young couples minion. And I was just thinking like, what is the message, does that, what message does that send to someone? Mm -hmm. Is you have a minion in college, 
And then they don't have a young adults minion. It was not called young adults minion. Because hmm. in my, my you, community, you we have, have that, right? We you have, have that. Yeah. We have a huge right. single minion. That. Right. Yeah. Which I think is amazing. And then you have like a kiddish after and everyone stands around and socializes, right? Yes, like, but it's like really mostly from one age to another. Yeah, we'd love for you to come. Right. Which is great because then you have a window of people and, and people know that like they can go to shul and there's a place where they can feel like people aren't looking at them and being like, what's a story? You know yeah. what I mean? But then when they're, once they're past that age, well, then where okay. do they go? That's right. what I'm saying. Whatever age so, that is, right. that's when I see that couple, you know, um, young adults are saying, hmm, you know what? Maybe I'll move into the city now because I'll feel more accepted there at this age in a young adult minute. Right. As opposed to right. here. Right. 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 So right. And which that, which that also speaks to just for the adults in the Jewish community to ask ourselves, could we do more to make our institutions more inclusive and sensitive? And I'm, by the way, I'm not just talking about single adults who are, let's say, 23 and never marry. We have people who are divorced. We have people right. who are widowed. We have single parents. Like, yeah, we have a lot of different family situations. And yeah. I think that we can dig deep in terms of asking ourselves, do our websites for our institutions reflect diversity in that way, mm. right? And, and I think that single adults would feel more comfortable staying in suburbs if they felt like the institutions saw them. Um, and then I hear some people involved in community organizing saying, well, you know, the singles aren't getting involved. Like, so if they would get involved, blah, 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 but like what comes first? Right. Right. And I do think that, I think that our community tends to put marriage on a pedestal. Yes, 100%. Various ways. I mean, I, I acknowledge for me as a married woman that I carry a certain amount of privilege that mm -hmm. as a speaker in the speaking circuit, I find that in the Jewish community, who, who are the scholars and residents, right? Are they, I think we have amazingly talented people in our communities who know so much about so many things. Okay, they may not be married. Why aren't these people getting opportunities to showcase what they know? the way other people might be invited to communicate. We had a single girl a few years ago tell me. A single girl or a single woman? Sorry, woman. We'll talk just, about that. I'm just having yes, fun yes. with you. <laughs> no, 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 we're gonna talk about that too. A single woman yeah. come up to me and say, Karen, you know, I have all this knowledge about Torah and I'm so inspired right. to speaking and give Torah classes, but I just don't feel comfortable because I don't feel accepted. I don't feel like right. people are going to respect me. Like, who are you? Like, you're not a missus. Right. You're just a miss. Right. So that really, like, that made me sad. It made me sad, but... Which is so sad, because when you think about that, she has a talent, and she could teach Torah, and... Like, she doesn't feel comfortable teaching Torah to married women, but she feels more comfortable teaching Torah to, like, young children or little girls, you know? Right, but not like to me, is so fascinating. Because, like, when you think about that in other topics, like, 
you would you go to a yoga class only if like the yoga teacher had like was right. married yeah yeah, yeah exactly <laughs> right like what <laughs> it doesn't like say anything about her like yeah her professional value or like would you only like, go to a dentist who's married like yeah. meaning <laughs> right no and i get it because people are like well this is total okay but what what why can't you be like really knowledgeable and 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 this is what i think is so unfortunate is that this is where we are infantilizing single jewish adults mm-hmm. when i just okay. said girls <laughs> no and i and again i mean this listen i part of it is like i mean i actually asked a group once like about that and there were women who said well i don't want to be called a single woman because it sounds old right so like you know um, if I'm going out with my friends, I'm not like, oh, I'm going out with the women, <laughs> like right, going exactly. out with the girls. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, I, I was like kidding around with you. I know I like, I know, I know. It, but you know, but, <laughs> you know it is weird when someone is 40 and they're single and we're still calling her a girl. You know what I mean? Right. Um, right. But, but I think one of the issues I see that comes up is that, um, and we like mentioned this before, is the events that we have in our communities in terms of, we talked about institutions uh, being inclusive and sensitive. When you speak about institutions, yes. can you just name a few institutions that need to be sensitive towards uh, single so people's say, needs? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna give an example. Yeah. Okay. So as someone in the speaking circuit, I changed my policy um, in the last year or two that I will not speak at an event where the event is only for married women. So, cause in the past I spoke wow. in the past, in the past I spoke at events that were about relationships and sexual functioning and marriage. And it was for married women. And I got to this point where I had this awareness and I said, I'm part of the problem. Because why shouldn't single adult women have access to events about marriage? Hmm. So instead, we're telling them, no, 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 we don't want you to become educated about marriage before. We're going to wait till right before you get married, where you take five or 10 college classes, okay, where it's like super rushed and under a lot of pressure. And let's also remind ourselves, not everyone is going to take college classes. And I was like, okay, so instead of us like educating and preparing people for marriage and giving them relationship education, we're like, no, 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 we're going to wait till you're married (laughs) and then you'll start learning. And I said, what does that feel like to be a single Jewish adult? And you see on an event flyer that you're not allowed to come because you don't have a ring on your finger. (laughs) There's no Torah source for that. There's no Torah source for that. Why should a 19-year-old woman be allowed to go to a shear on Nida because she has a ring on her finger, but then you could have a 35-year-old woman who's a nurse <laughs> or who's an OBGYN even, and right. she can't go to that shear on Nida because she doesn't have a ring on her finger? Hmm. How does that make sense? I never thought right? of it that way. Right? Never and thought so of it that way. Besides the fact that it sends this message, besides the fact that the PR is deeply hurtful, it it it's very hurtful to people who are single. 
it puts marriage in this like VIP club. Right. Of like, oh, it's just for the marrieds, right? Because like the married people don't want singles to know just, that marriage isn't perfect, right? I, I also find that married people don't want singles there because they don't want them to feel bad. Sometimes it's not they don't want them to feel, but I, but I think sometimes it's because they, they feel vulnerable when it comes to singles knowing that like this whole mm -hmm. marriage thing is not so perfect. That's interesting right. that you say that because I've had singles tell me that they really don't like it when married people like talk about all their dirty laundry in their marriages. Like right. they don't want to know about all this stuff in their marriages. Right. They want to have this like well, picture perfect idea right. of marriage. So right. Just, and I think that's so like a more. whole, right. So that, so I think there's like all, that, right. And I think that it's, it's not black and white. And like you said, I think there's a lot of nuance, but I think that these events, that are specifically about Nida and Tarat Mishpacha and marriage that we don't allow single adults to go to. And what we're doing is we're telling them, no, you can't get educated. We don't, we don't trust you or we don't think it's appropriate for you to sit for this. So instead, we want marriage to be a bad surprise party and then, and then we'll do damage control. In other words, like, we're not going to try to prepare you when things are calmer. Like, even, and this is, this might sound radical, but I've been thinking about this lately. Like, imagine if people took Kala classes or Khatan classes in college. Like, they, when they're 21 or tw whatever, they, they spend mm -hmm. a few months learning, learning with someone before they even let's say are engaged to anyone. They don't even have, they're not even in the committed relationship yet. They just learn about, you know, these ideas of marriage. They learn the halachas, and now they have this body of knowledge. Okay. Well, a Tanakala teacher will teach a single person when they have so many other. Hey, so let me tell you something. Whether a person's engaged, they're not married yet either. So it's what are true. we so? What are we so? What are we so afraid of? In I mean, when you think about it. If, if people were to take college classes, let's say in college, let's say, um, you know, learn a few times. First of all, I think that it makes the learning much more meaningful because it's not a rush job. They're not under the gun because the wedding's in three weeks. They're not balancing the learning with also picking out the flowers and fighting about the tablecloth, whatever it is. But I also think it's important because I think that in the Jewish world, the laws of mikvah and the laws of tarot mishpacha can really vary about how people plan to practice them. And I think that it's a really important conversation for couples when they're dating because they may not exactly be on the same page, but if they're really not on the same page, they may not know that if they haven't even learned the halachas yet or halachot as mm -hmm. you would say in community, right? <laughs> yeah. So then they each are learning while they're engaged and they're already committed to each other, but have all these, right? Think about it. Like imagine if during, right? And I'll tell you another reason why I think it's important for people to learn why I think people should learn about it. First of all, there's no rule that says you can only learn these laws until you get married. Right. There's, there's no rule that says that. Right. Right. There's no rule that says that. And I'll tell you why I think it's important also because let's say you have a couple that's planning to keep the laws of mikvah 
and planning to keep the laws of Nida and, and not be sexually active during that time, okay? Now, if, if neither of them really learned those laws and they only learn those laws once they're engaged, okay? Let me ask you a question. If you learn those laws before you start dating, when you're sitting on a date with someone and you're getting to know them, that's going to play a role in how you evaluate your relationship mm. because you're going to ask yourself not just are you attracted to this person do you like the same things do you have the same values but also to ask yourself does this seem like someone that you can communicate with and articulate your feelings to each other given that you are planning to keep these laws that will require you to be able to verbally communicate especially during certain times where you can't communicate in other ways physically Mm -hmm. Right. And I think that that, that, that could be an important part of getting to know someone, but if you don't know the rules because we're infantilizing you and not teaching you these rules, mm. so it's already done deal and you have a ring on your finger. Right. And then you just have the engagement time is so much more stressful. 100%. But again, this all piles on, but this all piles on to what we're saying before of this infantilizing thing of like, Oh, we're not going to let single adults come to these events. It's only for married people. So I, I took that on myself where I said from now on, I will not do events that have that rule. And I have had events that I said no to because of that. They were not willing to, to negotiate that. I said, listen, you're in charge of the event. I respect that that's your choice to make. I'm not comfortable coming on those terms. I think we have a real problem in our community and relationships, in education of relationships. And I think that we need to start being more inclusive of single adults that there's no reason why they can't sit in this lecture. No reason why. But I've also had other wonderful, wonderful experiences where I explained how I felt about it. And they said, you know what? I never thought of it that way. You're right. We're going to change the event flyer and it's going to be open for, you know, people, let's say age, instead of saying it's only married women, they'll say, let's say 17, you know, ages 18 and, you know, like they don't want, they don't want a ninth grade kid coming, but let's say college and up. Right. I really never thought of it that way either. This is, right. this is really one of the first times I'm hearing of this revolutionary idea for the Jewish community. I mean, in my community, we, we have events and we have for married couples, for married women only, for singles. Right. Everything is divided into categories, you know? Right what you're saying is, is very, very open-minded and it's very inclusive. And I love the fact that people can learn from an earlier age, not an earlier age, but yeah. way before they're married, young, because yeah. as you said, it's too rushed when they're engaged or thinking about so many different things. I see it now, especially in this pandemic, you know, I have Kala's like right. on top of the wedding planning that they're doing, is, is my wedding going right. to get shut down by the fire marshal? Where am I going to do my wedding in the middle of November right. with 50 people? It's right. so much added stress. And on top of that, they have to learn right. all these laws and they have no idea. Oh, wow. Right. You really made me think about right. that. And we could really, and we can prevent that. But I think it means us like, I was about to say zoom out, but like, I, I, I like get a little nauseous when I say the word zoom. And I know, right? It's like <laughs> talk about it so much, but like this kind of bigger picture of 
how do we conceptualize single adults in the Jewish community? And do we look at them as people that we either need to fix or fix up, right? We need to accept the fact that there are people in the Jewish community who are never going to get married, and that could be by choice or not by choice. Mm -hmm. And if we're only going, if, if Jewish communities are only going to look at single adults as we need to make events for them that are all about meeting yeah, other singles. exactly. Right? Exactly. That's, that's what not it's all inclusive. On. That's basically, no, that's basically saying our agenda for you as a community is just that you guys should get married, but we're not allowing you guys to come to our other events because you're not married. Exactly. Bingo. Right? And then, and then we wonder why they don't want to get involved in the community. Or we wonder why <laughs> they get annoyed when we are constantly messaging them, hey, are you going to come to this cruise? Hey, are you going to come on this trip? Come to this right. party. Or how about this? Or how about this? Or then, then we wonder why they want to leave the Jewish community and feel just really turned off and feel like the system failed them. Or the community that they're a part of or join another community instead, another Jewish community. Right. Right. Exactly. Right. Why are we, we can't be surprised by that if we're not creating more of a question and inclusivity. And I think that our events communicate that in terms of, you know, and it, it, it's little things also. I think that people feel like it's okay to ask single adults all these personal questions. Oh, yeah. That it's like fair game, you know? Yeah. How's your love life, right? Like exactly. it's just, it's totally okay. It's totally okay. And I mean, I'll admit, I used to do that quite often. You know, right. I was newly married and I wanted to help other people get married because, you right. know, in my community, I got married at a quote unquote right. old age. I was 26. Class for Shalom, very. And we were talking about it, you know, the right. older you are. Right. Oh my God, what right. do we say? <laughs> but like more. I like, joked. I said, how, <laughs> the older you are, the more O's there are when they say, I'm so happy for you. Yeah. In all your text messages that say, I'm so happy for you. Like however old you are, that's how many yeah. O's you get. Yeah, I got like 26 O's, let's just say. <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> I yeah. was, you know, I was newly married and I was very excited to help other people get married because, you know, marriage is the most important right. thing in a Jewish community, family life. Right. And I used to ask people, how's dating life? Until it dawns on me that it's a really annoying question. <laughs> and it's actually, frankly, not in my business. Right. And right. yeah, I don't want to be that person. But at the same time, I genuinely wanted to help. I wanted to help people. So right. what can you suggest right. for you know, people to do right to help their single friends and acquaintances. What tips do you have? <laughs> so I think, I think first of all, I think that people, you know, everyone's unique in terms of what they're comfortable with and what they need. So I, to say like, this is how you should like all deal with all your friends who are single, like it, it really varies. I think that a couple of things, I think, so one thing, and we talked about this is that one of the things that could be difficult is when, let's say 
you've tried to set up your single friends, but it didn't pan out. In other words, the other person didn't say yes, or did they, but, the, or just the idea was just an idea and it wasn't able to happen. And then it's like, do you tell your friends and say, Hey, I want to let you know, I tried, but the other person said no, or I tried, but the other person's busy. Like that's something that like sometimes friends actually need to like ask each other, like, Hey, I just want you to know you're on my radar. I, I always am thinking of how I can try to help and set you up. As you know, the dating scene is really rough and, you know, a lot of it's timing and this and that. Do you want to know when I try, like if I try to set you up with someone and they never get back to me or they say no, do you want me to tell you just so you at least know that I tried or would you rather that I only tell you when I actually have someone who said yes and is ready to go out with you? Like, mm -hmm. we just need to ask people, like, how can I be most helpful to you? How can I be most helpful to you? Okay. I love that. When, when a friend calls you, let's say, to talk about a date she went on, so you can say to your friend, hey, you know, what, what role do you want me to play in this conversation? Do you want me to listen? Do you want me to just listen? Or did you want feedback? Because sometimes people don't want feedback. They just want to like vent to you about the date or they don't, they don't want you to say, Hey, maybe you should be open-minded or you never know. Or like my friend's grandma, like that's what happened for her when she was dating. Like they may not right. want to hear that right now. Um, sometimes people want to hear a message of Chizuk and encouragement. Sometimes they really don't. And you know how we could find out? Ask them. Right. Ask them before you tell them. Or just say, you know, did you want, did you want to hear any feedback? Or, you know, I heard an, I heard an inspiring idea recently. Like, are you up for it right now? Or is now not a good time? Like meaning just ask permission before we like, we dump ideas on people. We just assume like, oh yeah, you want to hear this like great, you know, this great platitude. Right. I mean, we did, we talked about this, like all yes. these platitudes and these expressions <laughs> and, you know, it's not, it's not helpful for people. I find for many people, it's not helpful. I mean, I, I shouldn't, there are some people that it's very helpful, but you're so it's special. Very, Miss, that's why Mr. Wright's yeah, not here. Cause you're right. so you're special. Sing, you're single because you're so special. Right. Or, or, or even just this idea of like blaming people for their predicament, you know, right. That, too that picky. they're single because of that, that they're single because of something they're doing. And listen, is it possible that there might be something that they could work on for sure? But there also is always that option that they just haven't met a compatible partner yet. Right. We just, we get married young. So people can seem over the hill at a pretty young age, even For though, sure. like, and you know what? Not everyone's ready to get married young. That's another piece, by the way, that I think is an issue. This idea of like, ready or not, here I date. Like, mm -hmm. we need to give permission for people to like, understand that like, not everyone needs to date at the same time. <laughs> Right, exactly. And dating breaks, dating breaks are really important also. I mean, especially dating could be traumatic. You could have a, I, you know, a breakup is, a breakup could be incredibly traumatic. Which you speak and about a lot also on yes, your page. Very, breakups could be very traumatic for people and the yeah. decisions they make subsequently with other relationships. You know, th think about it like this, Karen. If you have a group that's hiking a mountain and they're starting up a trail at the same time, 
they're still going to all stop for water breaks at different points. They're going to need water breaks at different points. Okay. Cause we're all different. Okay. When we're dating and the dating world, it, it's rough. Okay. People need to take rest stops at different points to nourish themselves. And we need to give people permission to take a break from dating if they need. Yeah. But we're so scared that like someone's people are going to get scooped up. Yeah. 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 So, you know, so you'll have someone who, let's say they have a very traumatic breakup in August. And a part of them is like, I really should maybe sit this out for a month, like a few months, maybe go to therapy, process tr- this trauma. But everyone is just like, you got to get back out there Let's right go, away. Get right. back on the horse. Get back on the horse right away. And He's it's a like, great guy. You don't want to lose this opportunity. Right. Opportunity. Or, just, or just you'll fall in love with her, with the next girl. So don't worry. And it's like, I don't know about that. Like, maybe that's not really what they need right now. And also, is that fair for the person they're going out with? Like, mm-hmm. next. Like, are we? Right. And again, this idea that, like, when are you 100% perfectly ready and healed? You know, everyone has stuff. But do we give people permission to say, hey, you know what? Maybe I need to, like, take a break. I've gotten kind of mangled in this process. Like, maybe I need to take a break. Maybe it would be helpful if I take a break. Do we give people permission to be intuitive about what they might need? right intuitive is the name of the game right right and that that's i think part of adulting part of adulting is people being able to learn how to make decisions themselves yeah yeah uh rachel you know this whole conversation that we're just talking about about how other people should be bringing up conversations about dating and asking for permission it reminds me of the question i had in the beginning of our interview uh, about yeah. what do you feel about single girls or women discussing right. their dating life with each other? Okay, because some people are against it because they think that if one single girl's dating a guy and she's telling all her girlfriends about this guy, his strengths and weaknesses and what he did and what he didn't do, and then they break up, and let's say one of her friends likes that guy, She's saying, I don't see it, like you said, because she knows, quote unquote, everything about him because her friend dated him. So what do you think about single women talking to each other about their dating life and their relationships with each other? So it's, it's a really good question. I think, I think a couple of things. First of all, it's hard because your friends, like you need your friends right? Sometimes it's easier to talk to your friends about your dating life than it is to talk to your family members, right? It's like, it's like you go on a good date and you tell your friend about it. She's like, hopefully happy for you. You go home, you go on a good date, you tell your, your mom or your grandma about it. And they're already like, okay, what color is the wedding? Right? So (laughs) like you, you, you need your friends. Um, And a lot of people have, I like to call it their dating committee. And so I always ask people who's on your committee? Who's, who are the people that you bounce your ideas off of, who you get your barometer for what's normal? Now, if your committee can fill up a school bus, your committee is too large, okay? Maybe a church van is more appropriate. <laughs> and I look at it like your committee, fine. You could have a few trustees. A few trustees. In other words, like to learn kind of who can I share what with? Who are the people that I 
can turn to for advice about this kinds of thing? Or who are the people I could talk to about that kind of thing? Who are the people who could be happy for me? You know, there's that expression, a friend, a friend in need is a friend indeed. Yes. So I heard, I heard of this idea that it's actually like the opposite of that. Mm. Because think about it. When your friend is down in the dumps, it's easy to go run and, you know, oh, I'm going to go save the day. I'm going to get them their favorite snack. And you show up and sit next to them while they're, you know, boohoo, right? But what happens when your friend calls you with really great news? Because they just got this job and it's the same kind of job that you want to get that you didn't get, right? Mm-hmm. What is like a real measure of friendship where you could be really happy for them? Mm. Despite the fact that you might you're hurting be inside. upset that, you, that you're hurting. And I find that in the dating world, what's very hard is that it's, it could be really painful when you're single, if you're looking to get married and sometimes I find it could be hard for people to be happy for their friends. I don't think it's conscious. I don't think yeah, it's of intentional. Course not. not like, Oh, Hey, it's not, Oh, Hey, I want to sabotage my friend's happiness. Yeah. But I think that when someone's dating someone and they're telling their friends about it and their friends are upset or, or it's not even just that, you know, for a lot of people, they're nervous that they're going to be the last one left. So yeah. if their friends are getting married before them and there's no one left. So, you know, I think people need to kind of reflect and realize like, what are the strengths that my friends have and in what ways can they be there for me? Who are the friends that I can talk to about certain things who are the friends that maybe it's harder for them to talk about, you know, certain things. Um, you know, and I think, I think you bring up a good point in terms of like the analyzing of like, oh, like, did he do this or did he do that? You know, like at the end of the day, when you're looking for a partner, you know, there are people in your life that can have advice for you and make suggestions, but it's going to have to be a decision that you take accountability for and that you're making a choice for. And it can't just be because everyone loves this person. Everyone's telling you they're amazing, whatever, blah, blah, blah. What everyone thinks about this person versus what it's like for you to be in a relationship with this person is a different story. And on the other extreme, I don't think it's necessarily smart if you're not talking to anyone about the relationship and Mm -hmm. you're, it's all inside and you're totally, there's no one you're bouncing things off of because I think sometimes people will make certain decisions or it's easy to rationalize certain things or whatever it is. Um, listen, if you have someone who's usually like very like open and excited about being in a relationship and now they're in a relationship where it's like super top secret and like no one can know and they know they don't want to be seen with this person in public like that to me is and this is obviously a whole other podcast yeah, yeah, yeah. about like red flags and <laughs> right concerns. but I think I like I said I think friends are important and you just over time have to ask yourself like which friends provide what you need for different types of advice and to understand that you know even really healthy people who love you can struggle if you are happy and it's something that they're waiting for too. Right. Beautiful. I also think with listening to a friend talk about her dating life, let's say you have feelings towards a guy that she just went on a date with and you don't know how it's going to end up. That puts someone in a very conflicting position because they're like, uh, I don't know if I want to hear everything that's going on because I also have feelings for right. this guy. So it's complicated. Would you suggest right. for that person to maybe 
put some boundaries if they don't want to hear it. Friend know that the friend has a crush on the person they date? No. No, because mm. I find that they, they don't really talk about that. It's like, mm. it's kind of like a secret. So it's complicated, you know? Right. I'm trying to like understand the situation. I mean, I think... No, because, you know, I'm, I'm from a community where there's not so many people. Everybody knows everybody. Okay. So Everybody not, knows everyone. Yeah. Okay. It's not like a huge pool of people okay. to pick from. So, like, there's always going to be bound to be okay. someone. You know what I'm saying? Okay. Sorry Got to it. throw that on you. I mean, Got I don't know it. if you have the answer, but just something that um, people hmm. could think about. I, I would have like more follow-up questions about your community before I would answer that. Right. Because I think like, that. yeah. But okay. I think, like I said, overall, I think it's, it's important to have friends and people we could talk to. You know, I will say this, something very interesting. When it comes to our professional lives, and I think this could be like a good point for us to kind of wind it down with. When it comes to our professional lives, we tend to recognize the value of mentors who are further down the line, who are 10 years older, 15, 20, who are like more advanced in their careers. And we talk to them or we want to brainstorm or my favorite expression when people say, I want to pick your brain. <laughs> Especially when they say, I want to pick your brain for five minutes. And I'm like, never <laughs> in history has someone been able to pick someone's brain for five minutes. Picking a brain is a 45-minute thing, just saying. <laughs> but we recognize the value of having mentors who are 10, 15, 20 years older than us. But what's interesting is that do we have that same value for personal mentors? In other words, are we calling advice to get advice from someone who's five minutes older than us? <laughs> and this is the person that we're going to ask advice from in terms of as a friendship thing. You know, I'm, I'm not talking about like clinical stuff. I'm not talking about doctors, dentists, therapists, like, you know, that people are trained with modalities about how to treat issues. I'm talking about friendships, okay? Um, the idea of what it means to have mentors or friends who are older than you, who have more experience, more perspective, that could bring a different kind of perspective on things than talking to your friends who are exactly the same age as you, who might be interested in exactly the same people. Mm -hmm. And they're, they're just trying to figure it out too. Right. They're also just trying to figure it out. But this speaks to a larger question in which is in our communities are mingling, right? We talked about everyone. We have these little boxes of these people are here and these people are there. Imagine if we had more integration and not just integration of married people and single people, but integration of ages, mm. right? Of us valuing the wisdom of people who are further ahead in life, who have been through different things. And some of the things we're going through, they've probably been through, right? So that would be my answer here is like, to kind of like think bigger from, we need to think bigger as a community of the way we connect with each other, of the way we relate to each other, the way we think we can strengthen each other. It means really looking at ourselves and saying, what are the barriers here that people don't feel more of a sense of belonging 
in their communities. And that might be because they're single. It might be because they're stuck with their own age group. But imagine if those barriers weren't there as much, our communities could be such a more loving cushion for people. 100%. As a Wow, Rachel, you gave me really so much to think about. And I think I picked your brain, not just for five minutes. <laughs> I don't know how long we were going for, but. Exactly, I'm like, right, I'm not, I'm not against picking a brain, but like, we just like, let's call a spade a spade. It's not gonna be five minutes. Like no. never in history did that, it, it just doesn't happen. <laughs> so yeah, well, but we planned this out. <laughs> yes. And I'm saying we plan. I mean, for everyone watching, a lot is spontaneous. But I'm saying we plan this out. That we planned out. We're going to have a pick your brain conversation. Exactly. Yeah. Rachel, I have one last question for you. Yes. Because we are running out of time. First of all, I learned so much from you, and your last message really, really stuck with me, and really inspired me. And it's going to make me think about different ways I can change the way I go about doing things for my community, for me to be more right. inclusive and to think bigger and not just think in categories. And I really believe with what you said that if we're more inclusive and you know, age is not a number, you know, age is not a thing, yes. status is yes. not a thing, the community can be a loving cushion, as you said, for so many people, something that they can rely on as opposed to searching yes elsewhere you have it right there for you so my last question is is can you discuss some ways institutions can be more inclusive of singles besides i mean like making events that are not let's say about like get married <laughs> you know right like, just well, go get like married that, right i think so i think um events Right. If we, if we, what we're saying about thinking bigger and taking away the barriers. So events no longer being just married people or event admission being only couples or sometimes this is terrible. They'll do event admissions where they'll have an individual, but it's more than half of what it is for couples. Like hmm. they'll have school membership where maybe they have individual, but it's like more than half of what it is for a couple, mm -hmm. which like, right. that doesn't feel good. Yeah. Okay. Shul dinners, shul dinners, which by the way, you should do individual admission option because you have some couples where one parent is staying home with the kids or one parent is, is in Avelos. Like what, why does it have to be per couple? Why? Yeah. Right. So I think even just like looking at events, admissions, even just who gets invited to speak in shul? The scholars and residents, mm -hmm. okay? The speakers, right? Is, you know, even, even when schools do like a, a cooking demo in someone's house, right? Like, are they always married people? Now listen, it's possible right. that those, listen, it's possible that some of those people happen to be married, but kind of thinking bigger of talent, do we celebrate and recognize talent only of married people? Right. I think it would be helpful if we also looked at our minyanim in terms of our setup of our shuls. I think our schools sometimes are paying married teachers more than they're paying single teachers. Mm -hmm. And that's incredibly painful for people to find out. Wow. 
um, in terms of that piece. Yeah. I think even in terms of sometimes in certain communities, there's an assumption that people who are single have so much more time on their hands. So therefore, if they are going to be involved in community stuff to dump things on that person because, oh yeah, they're single. Like, let's just give it to them. Like send them to Costco, right? Yeah. Like yeah. even thinking about that, this kind of assumption in that way. Yeah. Yeah. I think it also, I'm trying to think some other stuff would be helpful. I mean, education with what you said, you know, about 20 minutes ago, with about um, providing classes for college yes. age students, that really yes. was like groundbreaking for me. I never really thought about that to provide, you know, Tarat HaMishpacha classes for college age students. Yeah. Why start when they're, when they're Why engaged? Do we start? Why? Why do we start when it's a dumb deal and they're super stressed out? <laughs> yeah. I love that. And this way, then it's just, you're, you're, you're showing people that we're not, we're not going to start ignoring you or, or putting you in a penalty box because you're single. You're still very much part of our community. You could still sit with your friends at events. Right. And by the way, the, and, and again, the goal of inclusion at events in the community is not because, oh, then all the singles will get married. They may, they may not. But when you think about it, though, if they are interacting more with the community, what do you think is going to happen? Right. More people will get to know them. Also, you know, out of sight, out of mind, right? So yeah. when people see you around, they're not going to think of the idea, right? So if you are around, but again, this is not the, like, it's an ends in and it of itself that we need to have more inclusion for events, but it also could be a means for right for people to meet more but it's really about thinking bigger of like how can we make a community where people don't feel like oh if I'm not married then do I have a place here well Bezrat Hashem I hope that we can reach a point in our lives very very soon that we're gonna have all these events and the community can come together in person get to see each other all ages all statuses inclusivity and Bezrat Hashem, we should see a lot of happiness and success and growth in our communities. Rachel, thank you so much for being here and dedicating your time and your expertise to this very, very important subject. Can you tell the listeners where they can find you? Okay. So you can find me on Instagram at Rachel Herkman. And you can also, you might appreciate checking out the layers project magazine you can find the layers project which i didn't really talk about tonight but i right. do want to mention that because we just it, in terms of time but in terms of the layers project we something we are really proud of is that for us we don't discriminate about our writers we have beautiful amazing essays from women who are married not married have children don't have children like and just we find that we've been able to build community by removing that barrier and showing that okay. all, all women's experiences matter. And certainly that being married does not mean you're not gonna have suffering in life. So there isn't a VIP club by being married. And, Love and that. I think in terms of really like leveling the playing field. So the Layers Project Magazine, you could find the Layers Project Magazine on Facebook and also on Instagram. They have a group, right? Where people yeah. can send anonymous. Well, we have, yeah. Yeah, I mean, if you go to the page for the Layers Project magazine, you could see where you could join. Um, okay. We have a, 
our own private Facebook group. At this point, there's like, I think almost 10,000 members. I'm not sure exactly how many. Who's counting? Um, (laughs) And then, you know, you can message us on Instagram, but even just, you know, I think in terms of creating more, more voices. Beautiful. Yeah. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, this was so much fun and really, really taught me so much. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Hey, thank you so much for tuning in to Soul Sessions with KK. The goal of this podcast is to awaken your soul to different perspectives, perspectives that might be very, very different from yours. And I really, really admire the quote from Pierre K. Avot, Ethics of the Fathers, that says, who is wise? The one who learns from others. That is the goal of this show, for us to learn from other people, because that's what makes us wiser and better people. Anyway, it would mean the world to me if you can leave a review on my podcast. And also, if you want to learn more about what I do, you can check out my Instagram page at coach.kk. See you later.